You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. All right, let me just first off address the elephant in the room. It is so hot in the lobby. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's uh, uh, have some grace. We're going to blame everything on construction right now, okay? Every, it, no matter what it is, it's construction's fault. Uh, no, they, uh, uh, we don't have heat hooked up in this room because when we laid the cornerstone, um, the uh, uh, contractors had to disconnect that gas line to that unit that heats this room. And honestly, two weeks ago, who would have thought we would have winter again in April? I mean, come on, please. Can we just get spring underway? Um, but I, I just have grace with us. Have some patience. Snuggle up to the person next to you. If you don't know them, get their phone number after service. I don't know, man. But uh, just snuggle up with everybody around you. We're going to get cozy. We could go old school Pentecostal, man. We could do the Holy Ghost run. So, sorry. For you Baptists, it's called the Jericho March. But uh, so, you know. Or we just get up and do some jumping jacks, whatever you prefer. You're like, I'm fine. Um, no, just have some grace with us. Uh, we're in construction because of what God is doing around here. Um, we don't like doing construction just for construction's sake, but because God is changing lives and, and people are finding family and being set in a relationship with Jesus, uh, we're having to add space. And so uh, it's just a little bit of a challenge right now, but bear with us. We'll be through this. We'll open up that space and we'll look back and go, man, God is good. God was good through all of it. And we're going to see more lives changed by the message of Jesus. And so um, thank you for your grace and patience in that. And uh, thank you for all of you who set the table last week. Um, everyone who volunteered, man, you have my, my appreciation, my affection, and my heart. And, and to see the lives that were changed, what we were praying for was we wanted to see the largest number of decisions for Jesus we'd ever seen in a weekend at the creek. And uh, God blew my expectations away. And so thank you for, for being a part of making that happen and, and just loving people and making Jesus clear. Uh, we're starting a new series this week called Faithful. And uh, really about how faith impacts every area of our life. And, and uh, one of the things I want to do is set some foundation for this series that, that when we think of faith, uh, we understand in Hebrews that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so there's this invisible quality of faith, you know, because we haven't seen these things. We put our trust and we have this, this hope that we put out there and it's not visible, it's not tangible. But the best way I can explain it to you is the way I heard a statement about the wind. Gentleman said, I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. With faith, we should see effects of faith everywhere in our life. That when faith is moving, when we're full, full of faith, that we should see the effects of what that faith is doing in our life and around our life. And, and one of those areas is, is really critical uh, for us to have a healthy, uh, faithful life is forgiveness. I mean, it's a, it's a tough, tough issue. And then we're going to start out by dealing with, with faith and forgiveness and how that faith impacts our ability to be forgiven and to forgive others. If you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 18. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back cabinets for you. And, and if you want, you can get up and run and get it. That'll warm you up. Um, I'm just trying to help. While you're going to Matthew 18, uh, I want to share a situation that happened in Luke chapter 17 with Jesus and the disciples to set up this idea of forgiveness. So you go to Matthew 18, I'll meet you there. But um, in Luke 17, 
there's an exchange that's happening with Jesus and his disciples, and, and he's really talking about this temptations of sin. And he makes a, a very pointed statement when he said, if, if, if any of us are going to cause someone else to sin, we might as well tie a millstone around our neck and toss ourselves into the ocean. He said, it is a big problem, and I take it very seriously when you as Christ followers create a stumbling block for other people trying to come to Christ. What's interesting is Jesus is in the context of the conversation about forgiveness. Isn't it amazing how we as Christians have been freely forgiven and God has poured his grace on us, but we have such a hard time giving that forgiveness. We have a hard time giving away what we freely received. And Jesus is like, in the church, that can create a major issue. Holy God, who claim the forgiveness, but yet are so stingy with it. He said, that's a problem. And Jesus goes in verse three, he says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. So don't, I mean, you're okay to call it out. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. What the rabbis would teach three times. You, you should forgive somebody three times. Jesus has taken that extra mile, seven times. I mean, what's interesting is the, the disciples' response to this statement by Jesus. They say this, they say this, Lord, increase our faith. They didn't say increase our love because it isn't amazing when we think about it. The more I love somebody, the easier it is for me to forgive them. Also, the more I love somebody, the easier it is for them to hurt me. But they don't say, Lord, increase our love. They say, increase our faith. And Jesus says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. What Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to do something in forgiveness that is humanly impossible. You need faith to forgive other people. When you operate in that faith, you will see the effects of that faith and things that you don't think are possible will happen because faith requires forgiveness and forgiveness requires faith. It all kind of works hand in hand. I come to Christ in faith. I give him my life and say, Jesus, in faith, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you have been resurrected for, you, for me. And I believe that you make me a new creation. In faith, I make that declaration. Then my life starts to see the effects of that faith. In faith, I have to forgive those who wrong me. So now we go to this conversation that Jesus has with the, the apostles in Matthew chapter 18, and Peter starts it out, man. Verse 21, Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. So Peter's taking the high road. Peter's saying, hey, if he comes to me and sins against me, how many times do I need to forgive him? The rabbis say three. Is it seven what Peter's doing is asking Jesus for the measurements and the parameters on how he gives forgiveness. And Jesus says, no, Peter, I'm not saying seven times. I'm saying 77 times. And some translations say 70 times seven. That's 490 times in a day. Can you imagine somebody sins against you 490 times or even 77 times in a day? That's jacked up. 
But what Jesus is saying, I'm not giving you a measurement of forgiveness. I'm trying to show you that you need to be in a habit of forgiving. Because if somebody sins against me, they, they, they cause an offense against me 77 times in a day and I forgive them, what that creates is a habit in my life of forgiving people, of not holding on to stuff. We're the most offended generation that ever walked this planet. I'm telling you, I mean, America's strong and I love America and I'm America, but, but, but man, we are some sensitive people. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. We, we went to Africa in February and they sat down and did a debrief and one of the leaders from Africa New Life came out and he's, he, I'd never heard him talk about this with the team, but he said, in Africa, we're not as sensitive as you are. And he says, we don't get as easily offended. He said, you know, because we just walk on eggshells. And he goes, but I, do, I want you to know this so you're not easily offended by us because we're not going to be overly sensitive to your, your soft shell. <laughs> but we just hold on to stuff. And, and, and Jesus is saying, I'm not giving you the parameters of forgiveness other than this. You give it freely. Freely you have received, freely you will give. We all have got to deal with this issue of forgiveness. And then Jesus goes into this, this parable. And, and let, me, let me say this. Um, let me set up because he's going to teach another parable. Um, but Jesus isn't advocating careless forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean I'm okay with what you did to me. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm ready to have all barriers, no bards hold reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that I have to deal with for me. See, when you, when you hurt me, when you, when you sin against me, when you create an offense in my life, then I've got to deal with forgiveness immediately and completely. Reconciliation will take time. It's limited and progressive. And the person who has been offended gets placed in the driver's seat of that reconciliation. See, Jesus is going to teach this parable not about so much our forgiveness issues with God, but our forgiveness issues with each other. How we should operate towards our brothers and sisters in the issues of forgiveness. When I sit down with a couple that, that there's been a, a, a hit to the trust in the marriage, that, that I've got to be able to say, you've got to handle forgiveness. If he's the one that had the affair, I have to say to her, part of your process is to forgive him. Doesn't mean you're okay with what he did. Doesn't mean you're gonna forget what he did. What it means is you're not gonna carry this and it becomes a bitterness in you. And then she becomes the driver for reconciliation. She sets the boundaries for how trust is earned back. Dudes, if you have dropped the trust in your marriage, you need to humble yourself and go through the process of letting your wife lead the way to earn that trust back. Don't give up in that process. You're walking away from more than you imagine. But forgiveness doesn't mean that, that, oh, it's okay, you can just keep coming at me. There may be some boundaries that need to be set up. I was working with a, a young man who had been sexually abused by a member of his family growing up. He dealt with forgiveness in that, 
but the reconciliation was I'll never see my uncle again. So forgiveness is on the offended party to deal with so we don't carry it. Reconciliation is limited and progressive. How far are we gonna go in this in the future? And so Jesus isn't advocating just be a punching bag. And he goes into this parable about about this servant. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent is about 20 years wages for a servant. This is 200,000 years of salary. You ain't financing that. You can't even arm that. I mean, you can't even do 3% down, 5% down. I don't know how he got into this debt. I mean, we teach financial peace here. Dave Ramsey would be yelling at this dude like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And since he could not, <laughs> that was funny. And, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment uh, to be made. So the servant fell on his knees. There's humility here, imploring him, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. This isn't an apology. This isn't asking for forgiveness, by the way. He's saying, give me more time so I can take care of this. When I ask forgiveness, it's out of my hands. By faith, I'm asking you to forgive me. When I screw up, and I will, I'm a human, I'm gonna mess up. I mean, Heather knows it. But when I do this, I've got to humble myself and not say, let me fix it. I've got to say, I have no way of repaying you. I have no way of going back in time and taking those words that came out of my mouth back. I have no way of taking that action back. But I'm asking you to have mercy on me. I'm asking you to forgive me, but this man didn't do it. See, pride will get in the way of us asking for forgiveness because every one of us are in the same boat. We all need to receive forgiveness. Every one of us. None of us are perfect. We got issues. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. So this, this man just experienced the forgiveness of a debt that's approximately 10 to $12 million dollars. No way to pay it back. He just received forgiveness on a massive scale. He was allowed to go free. He was, the freedom of forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And every one of us have this need to be forgiven, first and foremost, by God. I mean, we all carry offense against God, that we need his grace and forgiveness. We need to humble ourselves to him and say, have mercy on me. I cannot pay this debt of sin. And Jesus takes it on. That's what the cross is all about, that Jesus took our offenses on himself. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God. So we have this need to be forgiven. The only way we're gonna get forgiveness is humility. And then this forgiveness needs to create a change in our life It says, when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is the equivalent of a buck, a dollar. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay me what you owe me. 
So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will repay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay all of the debt. So here you have somebody that's received forgiveness of a debt of 10 to $12 million. He goes out, finds a guy that owes him a dollar, starts choking the fool out and say, you pay me what you owe me. Now, he had received forgiveness, but he didn't experience forgiveness. Because when we experience forgiveness, it changes our heart. It brings us into this mindset of my life has been radically transformed. I've, I've experienced the forgiveness of a debt that I could never pay. If our mentality is to ask for forgiveness and go out and choke those other people out who have a small offense against us, then we're, we haven't experienced. There's no transformation that's happened in our heart. All we're doing is, is we want to get off the hook. In, in, in church terms, it's I want my get out of hell free card, but I don't want to live life as a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus started this prayer. This is what the kingdom of God is like. We experience incredible forgiveness and that should transform us to be willing to extend incredible forgiveness. Our staff is going through the freedom ministry. I'm gonna tell you this, this is a safe place, all right? Our staff is going through the freedom ministry. We've got over 100 people a week in our freedom ministry right now. And one of the things God dealt with me this week, I was driving and God reminded me of something that I haven't given forgiveness on. And that situation came up and God, I mean, I just felt God say, you haven't, you haven't let that go. I said, God, I've let that go. He's like, no, you haven't. That's where all your road rage is coming from. I was like, no, I forgave that. Let me tell you the situation. I was in traffic one day. And I was trying to get in a left-hand turn lane. I was in the left lane. I was trying to get a left-hand turn lane. Traffic was backed up. Stupid trains. Um, <laughs> they move our goods and services, but they do not move traffic. But uh, So I'm kind of wonky in the lane. I'm kind of jacked in the lane like this, and there's a truck that pulls up right, beside, right behind me. And I mean, he's close. Now, I like my personal space, and I like it in my truck too. So I'm looking in my side view mirror like, man, what's this fool going to do? He reaches out and puts his hand on my tail. I was like, oh, no, you didn't. And I'm like, I'm like feeling the skin on my neck. Crawl. Get your hands off my stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm looking, and I see him poo and spit on my tail light. Let me tell you, you want to see effects of faith? The restraint of the Holy Spirit was up on this fool. Because everything in my flesh wanted to slam my truck in reverse and back into that door. I don't could take off his arms, his lips, everything. I was, Heather goes, well, that was stupid. It would have been your fault. I was like, would have got the spit off my truck. <laughs> a fool would think twice before he ever did that again. So as God's taking me back to that situation this week, he's like, you haven't dealt with forgiveness. You haven't forgiven that dude. And if you're in service today, hey, I want to talk to you after service. I want to give you forgiveness. No, I forgive, I've forgiven. I forgave him. I had to do it this week. And God said, the reason I, I know, and I'll show you you haven't forgiven him, is because when you think about it, you still get, your, your blood starts boiling over and over and over again. And he says, he's not thinking about it. He's not elbowing his friend. Well, I remember that time I spit on that taillight. That was awesome. 
That's how I imagine he'd have that conversation. <laughs> if he's verbal at all, I don't know. But <laughs> wow. God's like, I forgave you of your debt of sin that held you as my enemy. I absorbed the wrath of God on the cross for you. And you think you're big enough and have a right to hold on to somebody spitting on your truck? Man, there was some humbling that happened in the driver's seat of that pickup or that truck this week. I had to let it go. Because it's, it's amazing when we start carrying issues of unforgiveness. I mean, we think we have a right to carry our stuff. I mean, that day, that afternoon, that dude spit, but he handed me an offense. And I've been carrying that offense. It's been almost five years. I'm not keeping track of time. It's been almost five years. And I'm still carrying this. And it's amazing about this idea of unforgiveness because we just hold on to these offenses. And ultimately, here's what happens. Offenses cause division. Division causes destruction. And then we're dead. Think about relationships that you've lost. They start with an offense. They start with something really small that we like to carry around. And these are so hard to get rid of. They're not impossible because with faith, all things are possible. All we need is a mustard seed of faith, which is probably one one-hundredth the size of this ball. But it's amazing because I walk around, I carry these. And I think some of the reasons that we struggle with forgiveness is, is fear. When I think about the opposite of faith, is fear. And I think we get afraid to let go of these things because if I let it go, I, I'm afraid that I lose superiority in the relationship. That when I hold this over you, I somehow justify to myself and lie to myself that I'm better than you because I didn't hurt you the way you hurt me. That I am better than some guy driving that truck because I didn't spit on his that I didn't cause any pain in our relationship. You're the one that caused it, and I feel better because of that. Or I'm, maybe I'm afraid, and it's a fear of losing um, control. Because this becomes my bargaining chip. I somehow feel like I can control you when you hurt me because, I, hey, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Hey, hey, remember that? Don't forget this. I somehow think that holding on to this gives me the power in our relationship to imprison you. When ultimately what it does is it imprisons me. See, this man who couldn't reciprocate the forgiveness, the other servants saw it. Look, look at this, uh, verse uh, 20, um, 31. When his fellow servants saw what he had Taken what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. 
And should you not have had the same mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, that in Greek, that word is torturers, until he should pay all of his debt. If you're in prison, you ain't earning. If you ain't earning, you ain't paying debt. You're stuck. And Jesus said, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What he's saying is, God will allow you to sit in the prison you've created for someone else. That if you're gonna hold on to these things, then you're gonna, you're gonna sit and God's gonna say, that's where you're gonna sit. You want me to free you, let go of this. Now, I, want, I want to illustrate this to you. Can I get a volunteer? Come on up here, Jana. I saw your hand. Give Jana a hand. Come up here. <laughs> Jana Muller is one of our fabulous educators. Northbrook Elementary, one of our favorite schools in the world. But let's say Northbrook wasn't my favorite school. Okay. So I just handed you an offense, you know? But, um, or, you know, I tell you, hey, Jana, I'm going to come to Northbrook and I'm going to be a, we've got a mentoring program, by the way, at Northbrook. And we need men um, because men, you have a voice into young men in elementary school that changes the trajectory of their life. But let's say you want me to come and do that, but I, I don't show up that day and I hand you an offense. Um, and then I tell you, I'm sorry, I'll come another time and I forget and I hand you an offense. And then you show up to church today and it's cold in the worship center. And, uh, and that's like two or three of them. Uh, ultimately, we're gonna blame construction, but it's my fault because I'm the pastor. Um, or, or, or you walk out and you're like, it was so cold in the worship center. And your husband, Frank, says, you know what? See, you just, you, and then, and, yeah, because you told her that you were, you were mad about how cold it was in the worship center today. Um, but somebody says, you know what, Janet, that's just ridiculous. I mean, you're griping about it's, it's 62 degrees in a worship center, and you're going to be wishing for that weather in a month anyway, and there's, there's Eskimos that are sitting in churches today um, on ice hearing about Jesus, and you're, you're saying you can't hear about Jesus and love Jesus because it's cold, and so they hand you some offenses. Hang on to all of them. Stop dropping them. Don't drop them. So, um, so you leave church. You're mad, and... You pull out onto Wendy Ryan, and you're trying to get onto Saginaw, Maine, which they don't let you out, let you out um, um, because um, there's no stoplight there, and, you know, we're praying for a stoplight, but, you know, so you pull out, and uh, this guy um, cuts around you and gets in front of you, flips you off. You, if he flips you off, that's like that, that's five, yeah. Um, so you go to work tomorrow, and what you thought some of your team members were gonna do for you, they didn't do. And so you're upset. You're like, um, they didn't do this. And then you find out the reason they didn't do it is they went to, they all went to dinner after school on Friday um, and you didn't get an invite. And so they hand you a thing because you think that nobody likes you, that your entire office is against you and that everybody on your team doesn't care about you and they just, they, that's why they didn't invite you. Um, and not knowing that you didn't check your email until Monday morning and they'd emailed you. But, um, <laughs> and then you come home and you tell Frank about it and Frank's like, what, you got crazy people at work anyway. I don't like the people at work, so he hands you an offense. <laughs> And then um, you'd ask Frank to do the dishes, and he didn't. He's shaking his head. She's going to throw one of these at you. Um, 
And so he didn't. And so you're mad because now you got to cook dinner. He didn't do the dishes. So now you got to unload the dishwasher. And you asked uh, Bria to put the uh, clothes from the washer to the dryer. She didn't do it. And uh, so you just go on. And all of a sudden you carry these offenses and, and you're just weighed down. And, and, and you just, they just start piling up. But the problem is, um, can you hug me? No, you can't. Um, so there's, you have nothing to give me. Um, because I don't want your offenses. So I'm going I'm to distance myself because I don't want none of that. I don't want your jacked up work friends. I don't want your <laughs> husband that won't do dishes and I don't want anything like that. Um, I don't want to hear about all that. Um, but you walk around harboring this offense um, and, and what happens is it limits your ability to freely worship. Um, the, it, it limits your ability to embrace the family of God. And what happens is we start pulling away and we start wrapping ourselves, we start finding our identity and our offenses. Um, And we start putting them on display because that becomes our source of attention for a little while because we get some sympathy from it. But ultimately, we're the ones, because we hold these thinking, this is going to imprison you. You're the one all bound up. The only way that we can truly do this is to walk in the freedom of forgiveness, that when we give it, we find freedom. The only way to give it is through faith. And through faith means we surrender everything. Jen, I want you to show us what that looks like. Just surrender everything to God. Boom. And then give her a hug. I got a gift card for you. Yeah, it's for Chick-fil-A. It's Christian chicken. They're not open today, but you can get it tomorrow. Thank you. No, leave them here. Um, don't, don't, don't drop these at the altar and take them with you. Hey, we're going to preach on that now. So look at this. This altar's covered with offenses that have been brought into the house of God that are being left behind. God has given you the ability, the faith to leave these things And he says, you bring them to me. Cast all your cares upon me. I'm big enough. My shoulders are big enough. But let me tell you what Jesus does. On the cross of Christ, when he spread out his hands, he absorbed all the offenses that we would ever commit against him and one another. But you know what? His hands are empty. Because the only way for him to embrace us is to let go of these. And we have a savior with nail-scarred hands who let go of all these. He left them on the cross. Some of y'all need to leave them at the altar today. You're right. I don't know the depth of pain that you went through. And I can't imagine the hurt and the scars and the wounds that have been left behind by some of these. But these are imprisoning you. These are what we can lay on this altar and leave. Not say, I'm letting it go. Oh, I can't. Many of us walk around life like this. That's easy to do if you got one, but there's no way you're gonna juggle all these. You're exhausted, you're tired. And faith allows you to let go and hold on to the Savior who freely forgives so that we can freely forgive. 
I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to think about this. I, as soon as I started talking about forgiveness, some of y'all tensed up. Some of y'all got, got really just tight against this. I want you to think about something. I want you to listen to something that God's asking you to do. He's asking you to drop it. He's asking you to leave it in his hands. By faith, you have been transformed, forgiven, and made new in Christ. And by faith, you can let him go. You can drop him. Today is a day you walk out of this room a whole lot lighter, a whole lot freer, because Jesus has given us all we need to be forgiven and be forgivers. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you've freely given forgiven forgiveness to us. I pray that you increase our faith, Jesus. You increase our faith to let these things go. To increase our faith to walk in the freedom that you have set right in front of us. Today's the day, Jesus, by faith, we walk out of our own prison cells of unforgiveness. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at